Conversations. I'm your host, Rebecca Mears, with my co-host, Luca Halex. Luca, you had an inspiration for our show this last week that we've been sitting and sort of musing over. Um, and the idea was, was around this phrase, sealed in faithfulness. Could you tell me more where that came from and what does it mean to you? Somewhere online that I cannot find anymore. I read something that said that the word amen, or amen, however you say it, that comes at the end of a prayer in in the Christian faith, which I've never particularly subscribed to, although I grew up in in a Christian-oriented culture, so it's sort of built into me. Um, And I had to say the Lord's Prayer in school every morning when I was in elementary school. Um, and, and at the end of the Lord's Prayer, we say amen um, or amen, wh- whichever. And what I found was that it means sealed in faithfulness. And that kind of, it, it woke something up inside me. Um, and and I, I like the idea of a prayer as being a form of conversation with something that's bigger than me some concept, some entity, some something, something that has more power than me, Um, me just in my little old earth suit down here. And that we can have prayers of intention setting, prayers of gratitude, um, prayers where we we, um, ask something for someone else, and, and I like the idea of this sort of full stop at the end of the prayer being this amen that would then say, and I seal this intention, this um, giving of gratitude, this request in faithfulness. And to me, that faithfulness means, and now I hand it over to a higher power. Um, I've I've done, and that doesn't mean I don't have to do anything. It means I've done what's within my capacity, my awareness, my um, uh, the tools that I have available to me. And now I hand it over Um, with with full faithfulness that um, that this will be taken care of Mm -hmm. in the right way in whatever way is right, that is beyond what I can know about from my perspective here in my Ursuit. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how I look at it. And the pandemic is just, and I laugh about it because boy, what, what the pandemic has and hasn't done for all of us, right? Mm-hmm. It, the pandemic is so much bigger than what I understand, than what I can control. Um, and I'm having, like everybody else, having to dig deep into my own resources to figure out how to go forward every day. And um, not 
and I and I acknowledge fully acknowledge that I have a lot of privilege in my life, um, even though you know it doesn't necessarily translate into income levels. But you know, compared compared to most of the planet, I'm living high off the hog. So, mm-hmm. um, so this this is a um, it's it's having to dig deep into my own reservoirs in order to find my way forward every day and recognizing that all of us are doing that together, that within our own capacities and within um, the ways in which we're impacted by whatever restrictions COVID is placing on each of us within our own unique communities and cultures and paradigms. So um, it gives me a, a measure of um, comfort, I guess, reassurance that I'm not the highest level there is. <laughs> it, it reminds me of that feeling that you have when you're a little kid and you tuck your hand into the hand of somebody who's much bigger than you. Mm-hmm. And you trust that if you do that and you walk across the street with them, then you'll be safe. Mm-hmm. My mother used to say, hold my hand. Even mm-hmm. if I, her hands were full and I was just holding her pinky. Right. There's that feeling of, okay, now I'm safe because I'm holding the hand of somebody who's bigger and stronger and more knowledgeable than I am. And is leading the way. And somebody's leading the way. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think the faithfulness comes into it when we start doing that. I mean, as children, we have absolute unfounded faith in whoever in our lives is bigger than we are. But once you're an adult, you know that that um, faith needs to be tempered by what you know is within that other person's or those other people's capacity. Because, you know, you, I, 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 I used to know a guy who was a psychotherapist and he, he had a, his daughter used to, who used to say, daddy, 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 catch me. And she'd go flying off the end of a picnic table believing that no matter where he was, no matter how far away he was, that he could dive in and catch her. Oh, and wow. he had to start explaining to her that although daddy's invincible or seems that way, you know, if he's on the other side of another picnic table, he can't get there fast enough and she could crack her head open. Mm-hmm. Um, but when but when children are that tiny, they don't understand that concept of limitation. It's like daddies are invincible and they can do anything. Mm-hmm. her daddy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we have that faith in our parents or in our teachers. And until we've encountered that initial betrayal, and, and I don't, it doesn't always have to be a deliberate betrayal, but you know, the, the fact that daddy can't leap a picnic table in a single bound and catch her um, is, a, is a betrayal of her, of her complete and unadulterated trust in her father. Mm-hmm. But it's a but it's something that we learn as as we go, right? That that even though our parents are our parents, they can't necessarily fix everything. That they're human, and what does human mean? So, so there's a it it really calls up this this um, need inside each one of us for um, a belief that although the conditions are less than ideal in the moment that there could be something better Mm -hmm. and that 
if I can't see exactly where that's, I do the best I can to find where that could come from, to be my own agent for change. But, but I have limitations, um, as does everybody have limitations. Even a, even a world leader has limitations in terms of what they can and can't do, even, even if their job description says they can, right? So you can be you can be president of the, of the United States and and so more powerful than just about any other world leader, but you still have an opposition party that will stop you from doing anything that you want to be able to do, you know. Mm-hmm. So so we have we're tempered by that, and and it's so it's to me it's a conversation. It's a we hand it over, we take it back. We hand it over, we take it back, and we may do that multiple times within half an hour, or we may do it you know, once every 10 years, but we're still, um, it's a conversation. It goes backwards and forwards. I'm having so many thoughts relating to things <laughs> I've seen, things I've personally learned or witnessed. I mean, you're, yeah. you're touching into the very fabric of how do we, how do we navigate this world that is so tangible and concrete and yet sometimes we perceive that there are elements to it that are beyond us. Not only just other humans that are we're interfacing with, with that have their own wills, their own things that are happening that impact how they relate with us, that in- impact how the whole narrative of our society is going on. But then what about the things that we that are not tangible, that are beyond the human sphere, these three dimensions that we're able to know, not everyone believes that that, that, that uh, a higher power or an other power or an otherness other than the human, human brains and capacities exists. So I think you and I are, are, are we will just hold space for you and I both approach this with there's something more. Mm-hmm. And that's the camp that we're in. If there's going to be a line that's yeah. drawn, then, then we'll be in that camp. So this conversation will be from, from that side. But on that yeah. side, there's still so much room around you were trying to describe that which is bigger than you. And I had to evolve language for that myself because like growing up within a very Christian environment, a culty Christian environment or alternative religion, religious environment, um, what God was to me, and we did use the word God all the time, and it was a very gendered he sort of God, very Long white beard, yeah, yeah patriarchal, <laughs> all powerful, inscrutable, and in that there was this goodness, but then there was this punishingness as well, and I needed to to move out of that framework because I no longer perceived that as valid. I perceived that as a human construct of what this bigger power was and how it interacted with me and the world. And I ended up um, within the last decade landing on more, I'm most comfortable using the phrasing, I've invented a phrase and I call it (laughs) the great benevolence. Yeah, yeah. The great benevolence is that which is beyond me that yeah. knows more than I, that somehow has its hands in these other dimensions, other than what I am in, that is external of time, that is, but I do, 
the word benevolence is in there for a reason because I do feel a connection and I do feel a support and I do feel a guidance, but it's not localized on me. There's a sense that I am a part of a whole fabric that is constantly being woven. And while my story does hold my best interests at hand, it also holds the best interests of those around me, even if I don't hold their best interests at hand. <laughs> Yeah, being held beyond me. And so this is, this is a space where all faiths can come to the table to to recognize the elements that we have in common with each other. And there's something so poetic when so we started from this word, amen, or amen. And there are different that is really fascinating. Now I want to go and kind of find track down. Does it actually mean sealed in faithfulness? There's a kind of a neat, it is a bit like signing off a letter in prayer, right? It is. I, and I've searched, I've Googled it. I cannot find it. Yeah. I don't know where I got it from. But I feel like whether, you know, even not having thought of it as being that, it feels like, ah, oh, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Do you know what I mean? from when I would be praying from when I was young. Um, prayer has even evolved for me. Yeah. Uh, it used to be a petition, a request of the things that I wanted or that I hoped for, a request for the alleviation of suffering uh, of myself or people that I cared for, or that I was aware of. But there was also a, a very strong, this was part of the whole framework around this, what that which is greater than me, of an understanding of how it interacts with me that left a lot of burden on me in the sense that if I was not doing the petitioning, then it would not be granted, which somehow mm-hmm. leaves the power more in my court than feels like it should be as a very mm-hmm. fallible, distractible, <laughs> broken, emotional human that should not be in my court. <laughs> you know? But also this, the, the idea that it depends on um, all the other people in the world praying in the same way to the same God. Like what happens if you're in a minority, then does it, does it not have enough weight because there's not enough of you praying? Like it just, um, yeah, I, I like to think of it as being, we all, it's like the people who all go blindfolded to feel the elephant. And, and right. so they'll all report on a different thing because they're all feeling a different part of the elephant. And and yeah. so I have always hoped at least that all of us humans on the planet here and, and all the plants and animals and insects and everything as well, that we all perceive this great benevolence um, from our own perspective but that that all feel it feeds this greater thing that is somehow intentional. And I've always assumed that the intention is not to punish, but if anything, to guide and teach um, and in a nonpartisan way. So it's not that it's guiding me and teaching me about the, the one right way, because my experience of the world has told me over and over that there isn't only one right way, yeah. that there's multiple ways that can be uh, beneficial. Um, but, but it has more to do with 
my intention, but also my learning because my intention is only as valuable or as um, efficacious, maybe the word, as my awareness. And so if I'm, if I, for instance, if I grow up in a racist household and, and racism is normal to me and so therefore invisible, then, then that, it doesn't mean that I don't have to, I don't have to learn anything anymore because my intentions are good. Mm-hmm. Right. right. So yeah. the, my intentions being good and my, um, my, my curiosity to keep learning more and feeding that back into my intentions to me feels like a process of learning. It's the whole and increasing my awareness. It's the note when we know better, we do better, which is an yeah, approach exactly. to yeah. lifelong yeah. long learning and responsibility yeah. that, you know, we, yeah. this is, this is why I, I get a, a very impatient with conversations that happen in the, maybe the political spheres where we usually will hear them or perhaps from um, celebrities who have been called out on um let's just use a blanket term of unhelpful language or interactions, et cetera, where they've been, they've been creating harm. And so they, some, they've been called out on it and they've been told this is harmful. And so many times we hear a response from people in power and influence that's like, well, society has shifted and, you know, this used to be okay and now it's not. And so I'll do my best to change. But there's an attitude there as though it was okay. And that, that everybody else has changed and I've actually stayed the same. And now I guess I'll change to make you happy because everyone else is changing. And there's a cop out to that. Um, and I think any one of us can take that stance at any time when we start to get feedback that how we are being is perhaps there's some room for growth. I'm trying mm-hmm. to phrase this in as much compassionate, supportive language as possible. Oftentimes it's not. <laughs> well, I was thinking it comes back to what you were saying earlier about the assumption that um, that that when you when you make a prayer, formulate a prayer, that it isn't just, and, and the great benevolence is not just directed at you, mm-hmm. that it's directed at all of us. And so if that's the case, then, then my, my increasing my awareness is making me more like that benevolent force. Because the, the more benevolent I can be, the right. better it is for all of us together. And, and I assume that this is a permeable membrane and that if, if I'm contributing to making it better for everybody, then that contributes to making it better for me. Mm-hmm. So it's, you, you know, it, we, and I guess this is a, it's a belief system, right? Mm-hmm. It's, I don't have any proof for this, but, but, but my feeling is that what's good, what's, what's good for all is ultimately going to be better for me. Mm-hmm. Because it's better for me if everybody is in a place of grace and, and their needs being met and their voice being heard. And because the more my world is like that, the more, the more spaces there is for me to have that 
also, mm-hmm. right? It's, so it's that, it's coming back to this, I'm not the center of the universe, but I benefit from the universe. Right. And I have a, and I have a gift to make to the universe in the sense of my awareness and how I choose to navigate my world and right. how I choose to change and accommodate and and there's there's, an, there's a piece here too that's around our action and not mm-hmm. just it's intention but it's also action so prayers yeah. are are like a voicing of a desired mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm. Um, but actions are the you know how we're affecting change we're using our power whether it be physically through writing mentally whatever we're doing we're engaging in the world around us for yeah. a purpose and you kind of referred to this earlier where you were saying there's times where we, you know, we do what we can and then we stop and we pause and we have to kind of wait for the, whatever is beyond us to also be taking effect. And I'm seeing it as, as a bit of a dance. And it's interesting if we view, when do we say amen? We say it when we're finished praying. You don't say it continually through the prayer unless you're, you know, reciting. Well, you, it, perhaps. But if, but if we're talking about his, I was thinking, um, I was watching a, a film that was about um, the southern part of the U.S. and about the about the the way um, right. okay. people go to church and and you say amen. They say yeah, amen, can I get brother, an amen, amen, sister, right? Right. Yes. Right. Which is which and is a, like I like a, yes, I reinforce that. Right. right? It's it's yeah. like a high five. I agree with this. I endorse yeah. this yeah. statement. <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Yes. More. Say more. Right. right. It's a, that's true. That's also so, true. And, it's a, and then it comes back to this idea of conversation that it is a call and response, call and response, mm-hmm. which to me is what conversation is about. Right. Mm-hmm. I say something from my truth, and and that elicits something from the other person's truth, which they then share with me, which mm. affects how I see my truth. And then I, mm-hmm. I take it on board and I chew it and I walk around with it. And I, um, and I change my, what I say, but also, and my intentions, but also my behavior as a mm. result of that. Because how can I know that something hurts someone unless they are, I see them in pain, which is a form of feedback. It's a form of conversation, right? right? right or right. they tell me that it doesn't work for them. Um, or it's it, the whole thing feels out of balance or like, but I'm getting, I'm getting something that comes from the ripples I send out. Now something comes back and it's up right. to me to listen to it. Yeah. And act on it. The receptivity is really important yeah. there. I was thinking about uh, consent. And how there's times when we will, let's say our actions or our intentions, maybe we are focusing on, we can only be within our own brains and our own body. We're embodying this existence. Our empathy allows us to um, tap into a bit, a portion of what someone else might be experiencing, but we don't get to live their life alongside them or for them or anything like that. So we're really navigating, we're piloting this meat suit with this spirit filling (laughs) and this is, this is our existence. So when we, and I'm thinking about um, prayers, requests, whatever intentions, uh, an interaction with the universe, with the great benevolence where I'm requesting something, sometimes they will be, it will be about me. 
most often it'll be something relating to me. But there are times when I'm requesting something that's for another person. And sometimes it's because I want that change in their life because it will also impact me. So there's an element of, I won't call it selfishness, but I will say self-centeredness. And I say that self-interest. Yeah, self-interest. And I'm going to say that explicitly not with a necessarily negative Mm -hmm. intention because it's just real. We're humans. We therefore. It comes from your experience of the world, right? Yes. Yes. What you notice. Yeah. Um, But when we start to have intentions for someone else or requests that, that are for someone else, this is where consent is so important because it's funny because maybe we're talking about thoughts we're having privately or we're sending up to the universe. I'm thinking of conversations I have with my partner where we do actually try to take time to do intentions together. So we pull up a, a 68 second timer along the Abraham Hicks 68 seconds of focused thinking can help shift things. This, this is where it comes from. It's also just like a focused meditation that we're doing together. And we usually pick something that we're wanting to create or manifest or call to us or to be within ourselves. And we'll focus on that together um, Mm -hmm. for that time silently, but, you know, mentally focused. And there's times when um, my partner will say, I want us to focus on this. And he'll say something, but it's something relating to me. And I'll sit there and think, but I don't want that. (laughs) And then I think to myself, well, don't, don't ask for that for me. I don't want that. That's not what I want. How about we start with, if you want it to be something relating to me, I'll I'll tell you what I want. And this is kind of an interesting level to this too, right? Which maybe if we draw that back to real life, now's an appropriate time um, to remind myself and us as a team, that um, we are living and broadcasting and working on the unceded ancestral territory of the Squamish, the Tsleil-Waututh, the Coquitlam, and the Musqueam nations. And I bring that up now because decolonization, which is an intention, even though I don't know what it all means, I don't know that anybody knows, it's an unnavigated territory. I feel uncomfortable even using that phrasing because that phrase actually hooks into colonialism. Well, and and even even all of those nations don't know what it could be because they haven't had it for so long. This is an era of the world, of the earth that we are needing to explore now. But am I to declare what I think decolonization means? I could be a part of the conversation. I can participate by listening and offering ideas and taking some actions that are rooted in what I'm receiving and feedback, but it does need to be a very consent oriented conversation that is being had with the most vulnerable and most uh, parties of highest interests. I'd rather use that phrase than most vulnerable, the parties of highest interests for finding the other side of this, which would be those who have been colonized. And yeah, we need to have that consent. Consent can only come through communication. It's not something that can be agreed upon beforehand. It's not, it's something that negotiate gets negotiated within the moment. And this is part of that dance. This is part of 
having an intention, seeking to have the best of intentions, but checking in. Is my intention in alignment with what is good for well, you? It reminds me. Yeah, it reminds me of government that when I vote for a candidate, I am giving that my consent to them representing me with the expectation that that's going to continue to be a conversation. Mm -hmm. And it isn't always, right? I mean, in the best of circumstances, it would be. But, but, but if somebody takes this as permission to be in power for four years or five years or however long it is, then, and they don't come back and check with me and they change their minds in the middle and say, well, you know, circumstances change. And you, you gave me your consent for me to govern you. What did I give my consent for? Did I, cons did I consent to you making decisions for me? Or did I consent to have you represent me and consult with me about what I consider to be in my best interests and the best interests of my communities? So we've got, you can, you can have sort of a, a passive form of um, conversation in a way. And we can have an active form and maybe right. intention setting and, and prayer requests is a, is, is a more active form, but maybe there's a passive form, which is, do I consent or do I not, um, that needs to be listened for at the same time. It's, it's like silence in a conversation. Does, does silence imply acquiescence? I'm not sure that it does, right? No. And so often in a conversation, we say, what are you thinking? Or um, how, come, how come you're not saying anything? Because we need to check in about it. But I've never heard a government, anybody in government say to me, what are you thinking? You haven't said anything for a while, right? Am I, <laughs> am I still doing what, I, what you elected me to do in here, right? Do, do I need to correct my course? <laughs> just not oh my happen. goodness. It seems ridiculous. And I'm actually trying to imagine a politician doing that. It just seems but it should be a conversation. This is not about them having power, but they, there's a lot of power implied in this, but the power is to represent me. The power is not to decide what my world is going to look like. Right. Right. So, so this, I think this come this is, this is conversation. I mean, we're, we're in a way deconstructing conversation. So if a prayer is a conversation mm -hmm. um, that it's it's ongoing that that my prayer today may not be exactly the same as my prayer tomorrow because maybe I've learned something since yesterday yeah. right then then this is a um, I send it out and then maybe the maybe uh, the great uh, the the great benevolence speaks to me through um, answers to my prayer right maybe it's something that changes. I was thinking the other day that I, I do the um, once a week, I do ask Luca live where people send me a question and then I read an answer for it. And the way that people phrase their questions is very, very telling. It's very interesting. And it, I don't mean this in a, in a good, bad, um, you know, you get a gold star or you don't kind of per, meaning of it. But, but somebody said to me the other day um, in, in all um, 
graciousness and with the best intentions in the world. The person said to me, what, what does my brother need to know in order to um, get his life back on track or, or, you know, improve his life? And I'm thinking to myself, well, there's a huge assumption built in there that his life is off track and that something else would be better. So we tend to make that assumption if the person looks or sounds like they're in pain. Mm. Because we think that pain is not good. But, But I can't decide that for someone else. And my advice, as well-meaning as it may be, may not be welcome or useful. Right. Yeah. So, so really, it comes back to this idea of when we petition, although it seems self-centered, we can only petition um, on our own behalf because otherwise I'm, I'm assuming that I know what is best for somebody else. Without checking with them, without getting permission. There's an overreaching. It could be an overreaching. Mm-hmm. and Or somebody might come out. I've heard people say, you know, my mother's in the hospital. I need prayers, mm-hmm. right? And and they say prayers for the, the person's recovery. Um, and even that, even as well-meaning as that is, it may mean, it may be that that person is on their way out. And that's the way they're choosing to go. Right. So I like the phrase, this or better for all concerned. Right. Because it's more allowing. It says, you know, I'm asking for this, but if there's something better that I don't know about, right. then I acquiesce to that. Yeah. I will often, from my I, limited perspective, I will often use the phrasing, um, whatever is in the, the best interests or the highest yeah. interests. Yes. Even for myself, because sometimes I think I know what's best for me and that's yes. what I'm asking. But I really do want most of the time, except for when I just want potato yeah. chips, I yeah. really do want <laughs> what is in yeah. my best interests. And, yeah. and thinking that I always know that is that assumption that I have access to those the dimensions that are beyond what I'm actually existing in yeah and I know enough to know that I don't know that now I didn't know that before I know that now I think it's time for us to play one of our songs okay okay so how about we start with the I love you and Buddha too (laughs) which is (laughs) that's very allowing isn't it (laughs) by Mason Jennings and I it's it's fun it's fun it's cute but it's also just true it's kind of where we're coming from today which is the uh no matter what our faith background is we're we're aiming for a, a oneness with the great benevolence um we're aiming for an uplifting of our life and of the lives around us for healing of the earth we're aiming for love. We're aiming for peace. We're aiming for um, for holiness, the things that should be whole. And I mean even yeah. whole, and I'm not it's in H-O-L-Y, but yeah. W-H-O-L-L-Y. Yeah. I, it reminds me of the friendship between uh, the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. Yes. Yes. With that, that in they mind. They can come from two mighty faiths in the world and they can still find friendship in that i like the idea of interfaith inter anything friendships 
and they they connect on joy yeah so i love you and buddha too by mason jennings we'll be back in just a few One, minutes two three four. Oh jesus i love you and i love buddha too ramakrishna guru dev jing and muhammad why do some people say that there is just one way to love you god and come to you we are all a part of you you are unnameable you are unknowable all we have is metaphor as with time and space are for is the universe your thought you are and you are not you are many you are one ever ending just begun all right all right all right i love you and buddha too oh jesus i love you and i love buddha too ramakrishna guru day Dada Jing and Muhammad Why do some people say That there is just one way to love you God and come to you We are all a part of you Alright 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 I love you and Buddha too Oh Jesus I love you And I love Buddha too Ramakrishna Guru Dada Jing and Muhammad Why do some people say That there is just one way to love you God and come to you we are all a part of you. You are unnameable. You are unknowable. All we have is metaphor. That's what time and space are for. It's the universe you thought. You are and you are not. You are many. You are one. Ever ending. Just begun. Alright. 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 I love you and Buddha too. Alright. Central Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. That was I Love You in Buddha Too by Mason Jennings. Just a little bit of joy sprinkled all over the day after that one. <laughs> it's rainy today, so I'm happy for the little bit of joy. So we're talking about <laughs> um, sealed in faithfulness. We're talking about, about a, a release. The release. Where Where is the release point where we are uh seeking to create or call through things that would be good for us or for our neighbors our family our community we've talked about consent we've talked about communication we've talked about actions versus just words we've talked about talked about intentions where do you think we need to go next luca well there's something you come back to that word, word of sealed yeah that that we put, I, I was thinking about creating a time capsule that we bury somewhere or um, that when we, we used to, um, and I know that you've, you've played with this, putting a seal on. Um, oh, yes. You, you put a, you put a seal on the, on my Christmas card this year. Um, and we could, we could call it a Yule card. I mean, it wasn't necessarily. It used a little button and I've got the button here on my desk with a nice little crest on it. <laughs> yeah. But it's, but, but why do we seal something? I right. Mean, on one level, it's to keep it private, but on another level, it's, uh, we put seals on things that are um, of importance of like, there's a seal on my, on my um, university degree. Um, I yeah. mean, it's a, 
it's not it's not in wax anymore but it's that idea and a seal also indicates who it's from yes and it's a sign of respect there's an ownership to it Mm -hmm. from me this is from this is mine or this institution yeah you know what have you there's there's a sense of location but ownership personal or uh, an individual's And, and not just ownership, but responsibility. I yeah. take responsibility for what is inside this. Oh, that is so true. Ooh, that so, just so if I seal something in faithfulness, it's that I am having faith. There's, there's, it says that what I have faith in is important to me. Otherwise, I wouldn't seal it. I want it to be watertight. I want it to be buoyant i want it to go it's like if it says this is my message in a bottle i've stuck that cork in well and i've sent it out to sea right it's mm-hmm. this i now i trust it's a trust that i hand this over yeah having done my best with it right and that was where i was going to say is that i i when i see the seal to me that's that's a a, a stopping that's a i'm not continuing to speak i'm not continuing to write I'm shutting up now and I send this off to do to, to the next part of the conversation to whatever its effect might be. Yeah. 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 If it, and I come, I come back again to this idea of conversation that even when you have a conversation with a higher power, there's, we, we don't, it's not just a, a, a plea or a missive, but it's a, it's a conversation um, that that I expect something to come back, mm. even if it isn't in exactly the same way as I sent it out. Right. I expect some some response, and then I will continue the conversation. This this makes me think of one of your um, tenets that you usually give to your clients or people who work with you, right? Which is the pay attention part. Yes. Yes. So once you send yes. it off, pay attention. Yes. Sense that something is going to come yeah. back. Yeah. And be curious, right? Be curious about what's in your world that could be an answer to that, to that intention, that prayer, that request, that whatever. And being curious is very different than being in conclusion. Conclusion mm-hmm. would be the place of I'm expectant of this. This kind of answer or this this kind of response. And if I don't get that, then it's, if it's not that, then it's no. A very black and white way Mm -hmm. of engaging in a conversation, which, which means you're going to be very frustrated many times because it's not allowing for the, the multitude of responses that could come back because you're only going to stick things into one container, which is either the yes or the no, or or the, you know, whatever, whatever it is that's your dichotomous, your dichotomous buckets, I'm going to call it today. <laughs> <laughs> We're playing with language today. <laughs> yeah, we're always playing with language. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about how the element of release here and the letting go, release and letting go seem to be together, coupled in with the idea of sealed. Like it's a, it's a pause, it's an end in which we must now release our control or release our our expectations need to be opened up and i'm thinking about how this applies to us uh 
as humans navigating life. I'm thinking about in my day-to-day actions. Uh, I took on something I needed to do last week. It was a big challenge. It was a personal challenge. It was hard to navigate it and, and do through it, but I had to reach a point where I needed to let it go. I did my best. I can question it as much as I want till the cows come home, but that's not going to change the fact that I needed to complete and move away, step away from it and release it. And so now I'm in the post sealed with faithfulness thing, right? There is, and I can either seal it with faithfulness or I can seal it with doubt, right? Like, eh. yes, yes. Well, I was thinking that when I, when I check in for a flight, if I'm traveling, whether I, even if I'm getting on a bus, I take my suitcase, I'm going to hand it over to somebody and I have things in there that mean something to me. So, so I seal it in faithfulness as I hand it over. I do that when I submit my taxes. I do it when I, when I give a present to somebody, right? I, I seal it in, in my hope that it's going to be positively received or, and, or that it's going to be looked after. Right. And we can, we can do, we can pass something forward like that with, with again, that sort of dichotomous, they're going, we want them if they don't use it in this way, they don't like it, they don't want it, or it's a reflection on us, or we chose wrong or something like that. But that's keeping our hooks into something. That's yeah. not releasing. That mm-hmm. is giving with, there's, there's, some, there's some strings dangling off that, and we're going to be checking in on those strings <laughs> to see yes. exactly what's happening there. I'm thinking too about how uh, we could also view this again, lo- with my, you know, centered on ourself as the locus here, um, our past and whatever has gone before. We can be carrying it with us like a bunch of baggage, you know, rocks on our shoulders, and backpacks on our back, 20 stories high sometimes. And that's not allowing the past to be the past with a sense that it is complete. We are not able to reach into the past to affect any more change or to alter anything there. But where we are right now, we can be engaged and putting our energy and putting our focus, but maybe we cannot do that if our hands are full of the past. So we must I try to make a practice of, even though I can look back and very easily see how I just want to share, you know, I've been journaling for my most of my life. And if I go and look at my journals, even 10 or 15 years ago, I cringe. (laughs) I would really, really like to do like at some point, I'm probably going to pull out all my old journals and I'm going to annotate my old journals with like, if anybody else is ever going to read these, I need them to know that I woke the F up and I (laughs) did not think that later on in my life. And that is not representative of who I became to be. But my point is at that point, that was what I had. And I was showing up with what I had and I can sit from where I am right now and be in judgment of my past self. And especially with how, whatever came out of these situations from the past, or I can acknowledge that the me that was then did the best that it could in that situation. And it is now done. And the mean that is now 
has now these resources and what am I going to do with it from here forward? And not just these resources, but this vibration, because your vibration is hopefully higher, cleaner. And I don't mean clean as in dirty. I mean, clean as in less encumbered. Right. I I have a perfect example of this. Um, Back in the days when I was traveling around with workshops, I was looking at, um, I was I was running workshops with somebody else, and we were looking at going and doing a workshop at a workshop center in Chicago. And we got their contract that we had to sign before we could um, present our workshop in their facility. And it was about five pages long, this contract. And it was full of and we certify that we will not. And we promise that this. And, and I, I read this whole thing. And the further I read, the worse I felt. It was like right in my solar plexus. And I thought, yuck, yuck. And I turned around and said to my partner, I cannot go and work in this workshop center. Because this reads like a laundry list of all the things that have gone wrong with previous workshop leaders who have gone into their space and presented there. Mm -hmm. And, And they have not let go of it yet. So they have an expectation that whoever comes in next would have the intention to do all of those things, or, or at the very least, if we go, if we assume benevolence here, that they would be unaware enough to do all of those things. And so we were having to sign in blood that we wouldn't do those things, which were things that we never would have thought to do in the first place. So I knew I could feel that they hadn't let go of the pain and the betrayal and the frustration of all the, all the workshop leaders that had gone before me. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I wanted them to be people who had had those experiences and had somehow adjusted things so that that wouldn't be their experience any longer. But instead, they had gone into a generalization that said that every workshop leader has the potential to be like this. And we're going to cut them off at every possible way so that they have sworn that they won't do that. They weren't saying to me, we want you to promise that you will keep the participants' best interests at heart at all times. It wasn't being phrased in the positive. It was being phrased in the negative. And I think that we have a tendency to do this if we've come out of a terrible job environment or we've come out of a terrible marriage or, or any, when, anywhere where we've experienced a mismatch or a betrayal, that once we go into those generalizations of, all women are this, or all men are that, or marriage is X, Y, and Z, or all corporations are dirty and greedy. Or it, w- once we go into that place, there is no room for anything to change and grow and and learn and develop. There, it's it's been it's almost been wiped out by by that um, refusal to let what's in the past be in the past. That do we do we want to lay ourselves wide open for those kinds of things to happen again? I don't think so. But mm. it it almost it calls up from within me that willingness to seal 
in faithfulness, my expectation that what comes next is going to be the next step in my evolution towards being a more whole, more empowered, more uh, um, joyful being on this planet. Mm -hmm. So I think our, that comes back to your point about what are your, what are your expectations about and, and have you been able to let go? So we want to learn and let go, Mm -hmm. but then how do we take that learning into the future without girding our loins, so to speak, so Mm -hmm. that this will never happen to me again? Yeah. I like that. So we have to seal it in faithfulness somehow. Yeah. Well, we've got one more song that I wanted to play today. Um, feels like a very good place, actually. Of course, it always it ends always up that is. way, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I also, I chose the song um, by Ayla Nirio called From the Ground Up. And there's, there's, a, there's a spirit in this song of, of the intentions as we are building things to go forward. What do we want them to look like? What are the resources we intend to use and a deliberateness as we go forward. And I felt like that called to the essence of what we're doing, what we're talking about today of being sealed in faithfulness and conscientious steps forward, but not solo. There's, there's a sense of we in this song. She, she uses the phrase we very frequently. So let's take a listen to Ayla Nirio and we'll be back uh, to close up in just a few minutes. As a wave across the land We are moving, moving Say no face The change these bodies make And the way they are Facing forward Shoulder to the storm Telling of moving It takes one step your voice takes your voice saying i am not hearing if you are not naming it i am not stopping if you are not changing it here are my hands let's see what they're making in the morning in the rise up there's a bridge from all that's been in the dawning the vines are pushing through the pavement we were born of Wow. 
Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. That was Ayla Nerio from the ground up. We have been talking today about amen <laughs> and about being sealed in faithfulness, about release, about um, communication and the giving and taking and the that which is greater than us. All of these things combined Consent. together. Yeah. Consent. Consent. Where, what do you think is your... What's your biggest takeaway today, Luca? Well, you know, I never thought about sealing me in faithfulness. Mm. I think that's what I'm going to take away today. How? I don't know if it's even possible, but I've never, I realized as I, as I listened to that um, last song, that I've never really thought about sealing me. I, I seal my intention in faithfulness, but I haven't sealed me in faithfulness. Mm. And I wonder what that would look like and feel mm. like and what it, what what outcome yeah. might be there as a result? I love that. Well, with that in mind, I wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahalleck's.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca.